Pacific Conversations from the Development Policy Centre with Tess Newton-Kane. My name is Tess Newton-Kane. I'm a research associate at the Development Policy Centre. And this morning, in the lead up to International ICT Day, um, it's great to be able to have a chance to chat with Fred Samuel, who is the Government Chief Information Officer here in Vanuatu. So good morning, Fred, and thank you for being available today. You're welcome, Tess. Good morning. So to start off with, as I've just said, your your job title is Government Chief Information Officer and you head up the Office of the Government Chief Information Officer where we are today. So maybe you could start by giving us some background about what the role and functions of this office are. Thank you, Tess. Um, the Office of the Government CIO, it's uh, our Chief Information Officer, responsible for two things. First of all, is um, we developed the policy national policy for the sector, ICT and telecom sector, and we oversee the implementation of those policies on behalf of the minister responsible, which currently it's the Honourable Prime Minister of Vanuatu. Um, so we liaise with all the stakeholders, uh, industry, private sector, the citizens and the general public when we develop those policies, yeah? as you would have probably uh, know by now. Uh, for the last two years, we've been back on uh, three major policies, the major one being the national ICT policy, the cyber security, as well as the, um, the universal access policies, eh? which is already approved by uh, Council of Ministers, and it will be officially launched this Friday during the National ICT Day. So that's the first role of the Office of the Government CIO, development of policies and obviously the implementation. Our second role, which is probably PICA, then the first role is the um, overseeing the implementation of the e-government broadband infrastructure, um, the data center, the IT infrastructure, as well as overseeing the e-government application software rollout. Eh? So um, the second role is a very massive one because, as you know, we, we four years ago we completed the rollout of the e-government broadband infrastructure. It's the third largest uh, major telecom infrastructure in Vanuatu, but exclusively to serve only government departments. Eh? So our, num our role is to actually ensure that the infrastructure is always online and it's how it's operated and managed and maintained would have to comply with best industry practices and I'm proud to say it's, it's one of the most, if not probably the most reliable infrastructure in, in Vanuatu. Eh? And it's, it's probably, I understand, the first of its kind in the Pacific. Eh? Um, in addition to that, regarding the data center, so we have two major data centers. They have you know, fully redundant infrastructure, um, and that's where we house all our systems and servers and our core IP infrastructure. This is where we host the major e-government applications, for example, the finance systems, the government email systems, the passport systems, the immigration, statistics, and all the government websites. Eh? So, uh, and, uh, and so that's within our government data center. So, so in summary, I would say we're providing a private cloud environment for the government users. Eh? And also we provide uh, IT help desk support. So that means there's about 2,000 uh, desktop ICT users in the government. Um, we support all the devices. You know, we have our call center where users run all the government provincial offices, including the two major towns, Portfolio and Lukenfield, where they ask for help, and our staff actually help them. So, in summary, we develop and implement policy on behalf of the government, uh, or the behalf of the government, and but more importantly, the minister responsible for telecommunication, and secondly, oversee the e-government broadband infrastructure as well as e-government applications rollout. Eh? Okay, that's great. Thanks mm. for that, Fred. It's good to have that as background.
So just to go, just to backtrack a bit, as as we're both aware, there have been a lot of changes in this sector, in the ICT sector of Vanuatu, since I guess around the mid two thousands. So from the perspective of of your position and your office, what do you consider to have been the most significant changes, and why are they the most significant changes? I think there's there's uh, there's obviously a lot that has been happening in the industry in Vanuatu. Um, I think if I have to go through each individual, it will take probably the next one hour or two. Mm-hmm. But uh, just to really highlight, if I would say, some of the top uh, four um, changes that have that has had significant impact on the social and economic development of Vanuatu, I think the first and foremost, as we all know, it's the government decision way back in 2007-2008 to actually liberalise the market and allow for a duopoly, so allowing Digicel to come on board, and eventually uh, by April 2011, we actually removed the duopoly, and it's now fully open there. Eh? And as we speak, we have more than 10 uh, licenses operating eh? um, in the market. So that's, I think that's the first one. It has a lot of impact in terms of coverage. We've improved from about 16 to 20% coverage and penetration to now more than 90% uh, coverage, including penetration as well. Eh? So we have one of the highest penetration in the Pacific, even compared to uh, New Zealand. Eh? Um, so that's the first one. It has a big impact in Vanuatu. Secondly, is the the reform in the institutional governance of the sector. So while we've actually liberalized the market, we've set up the office of the telecom regulator, but the government still has input its act together. So what we did back in 2011-2012 is um, we improved the institutional governance of the sector. So as we speak, so what we did is we actually amalgamate three portfolio: the portfolio of telecommunication and the Ministry of the Prime uh, Ministry of Public Utilities, portfolio of ICD and e-government and the finance, and as well as portfolio of information and broadcasting and the Prime Minister. So. It reflects on the trend of the industry. So we've amalgamated all those portfolio under one uh, ministry, and it's sitting right in the prime minister, which is more appropriate because ICT and telecom is a cross-sector cutting tool. So, um, so that's one of the biggest um, uh, achievement. And additional to that is we've set up the office of the government CIO, which is probably like a technical advisor to the prime minister and minister responsible. So that's one. I believe it's become one of the best sector governance model in the region eh, where you have um, a very vibrant dynamic industry with all the competitors competing and then we have a fully independent telecom regulator and then above that we have a technical advisor to the ministry responsible which is obviously the government CIO and then the ministry responsible which is rightly the prime minister so that's probably the second most important that's very important the a strong institutional governance provides a LD environment for competition to happen, eh? and obviously for the benefit for the citizen of Vanuatu. The third major change, I would say, is the, obviously the arrival of the submarine cable of, to Vanuatu. Um, it's one month now into operations uh, since the ISPs, all the ISPs are connected, but definitely it will be an exciting uh, future ahead, especially in the coming months. Um, it, it has, you know, just by looking at the numbers, it has significantly reduced the international capacity by more than 50%. <clears throat> and obviously, the speed uh, of internet of a fiber, it's non-comparable to the satellite uh, connectivity. So obviously, that's now put, put us in a, clo- in a level playing field with, with any of our regional or international uh, competitors. Eh? Uh, so probably that's the major, major 
uh, that major one, and probably last but not the least is the the, the drafting and the official approval of the national ICT policy, yeah? which now means Vanuatu uh, has a very clear roadmap in terms of development of the sector. We know what we want to achieve. Um, we have eight priority calls in the policy, but also we're mindful of the threats. So we have also our national security policy and the legislation is currently being drafted. Also, we have a very ambitious universal access program. You know, one of the main goals of the UEP is to achieve 98% broadband coverage by 2018. So uh, I think that's probably the fourth biggest uh, uh, change that has happened in the sector. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Before we move on to my next question, could you, you mentioned that there are eight core priorities in the ICT policy. Yeah. Could you give us an indication as to you know, what those core areas are, what that policy is designed to cover? Absolutely. The national priority, the first one is access to ICTs in education. The second one is access to ICD, access to ICD infrastructure and devices. The third is the e-government. Um, the fourth is integration of ICT into sectoral policy. So we want to push out ICT in all sectors: agriculture, trade, finance, uh, you know, forestry, health, etc. Uh, the fifth is building trust, mitigating risks and threats related to ICT development. The sixth is uh, local development of locally relevant content. The seventh is building capacity. Obviously, we want to build a, a very good information society in, in Vanuatu, and the literacy, the literacy of our citizens is, is paramount and is very important. Um, and the eighth is obviously it's it's a platform for multi-stakeholder and multi-sector coordination and collaboration. Eh? So that's our basically the top eight key priorities as outlined in our national ICD policy agenda. Okay, that's uh, great. Thank yeah. you. So to pick up on one of those, you mentioned about um, the e-government and ICT being um, a applied in each sector. Mm. So, so far, and I realise that, you know, in some ways we're still in fairly early days, but how has the enhanced availability of ICT to government affected service delivery at national and regional levels, whether that's in relation to health or education or any other sector? How have you already seen it improving government's ability to deliver services? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, this, that's a very important question, especially government in the, within the government. Huh? Um, there's obviously a lot of, um, you know, a lot of services that have been affected by the announcement of ICDs. Um, I would I, 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 I'm not able to, uh, to provide all, but I'll, I'll give you, for, for example, in terms of the e-government broadband infrastructure, um, the fact that, I mean, all the provincial, any office in Vanuatu now, any public office in Vanuatu, in the provincial level or in town, are enjoying a broadband, the benefit of a broadband infrastructure. Um, if you, whether you're sitting in a solar in the remote north, or down south in Isangel, or Malamba province, or Saratamata in Ambae, Panama province, everybody have access to the same type of ICD service as if they're sitting here in Port Vila. So, something that they never have before. How does that, in terms of, affect the service delivery? Yeah? It means that, uh, I give one example, the courts. Now the courts can sit anyway, and the judge doesn't necessarily have to sit in those places. He can be sitting in in, in villa and through video conference, being able to to uh, to perform his task. Eh? Um, 
the Secretary General of all the provinces, now they don't need to travel to Fila and look and feel, eh? which is obviously costly in terms of travel, but secondly, they lost their days and times of work by traveling here to Fila. Now they can sit back, they see if they can actually talk and meet, uh, uh, as well as, um, I give another example, is the finance department. Before you would have every LBO, every checks printed in board Fila, but now they can sit in the provinces and actually process those payments. They can actually even collect money. Yeah? Um, in terms of health, uh, the fact that you know there are all the health meet hospitals, the five hospitals in Monodo are now connected to the e-government network. That means you know you can they can reach the main health administration in Vanuatu in Portfila in real time. They can talk to them by FOIB or they can send emails. So the fact that it does improve the level of communication. We hope that this has impact directly on the, the way the government delivers service to the citizens of Vanuatu. Um, so that's one example on the government broadband uh, infrastructure. Um, in terms of education, um, uh, today we have what we call the Vanuatu Education Management Information System that is deployed, deployed in all the provincial uh, government offices in the provinces. So now they're able to collect real-time data for the schools and upload them and upload famous in real time Vanuatu Education Management System. That means the Education Ministry now have better uh, accurate data than in the past. So obviously they can make decision on reliable data, um, etc. Regarding the uh, any opportunities that can be further pursued in this area, I can say that. Um, Obviously, especially in terms of area of education, there's a lot that can be achieved. Um, I give for an example, we're rolling out, this year we're rolling out 15 schools. We're connecting internet for 15 schools, as well as we're giving out tablet program for phase five schools. Eh? Um, you know, the, the tablet alone, um, I mean, give an example in Vanuatu today, if you want to, if you, I mean, there's shortage of textbooks and obviously library books, eh? but uh, with a tablet, you and provided it's connected to an internet connection, you have now uh, access to millions and hundreds of millions of content online eh? mm. and library books. Uh, so obviously, once you, once the teachers and students have access to all this great information in real time, that will uh, obviously help their capacity. And hopefully ICD can contribute to improve the literacy of Vanuatu. So we're very optimistic about this program, thanks to Australian government who've uh, put in seed funding to roll out this project. Our goal is starting with 15, but we have, I think, 80 plus secondary schools, is to try and connect all these 80 schools eh, and make sure all of them are connected to, uh, to ICDs. For me, that's a great, I mean, given that human resource and education is the number one priority for Vanuatu, but also in our national ICD policies, we think there's a great opportunity there where you can fully utilize ICD to improve the human resource development uh, of Vanuatu. Uh, in terms of health, obviously, part of the program to roll out schools is also to connect all the health facilities close to those schools. So um, once we connect these health centers, uh, one area that I could see that could impact, apart from just making sure that the L practitioners have a clear and real-time line communication with the central administration in Vela, it could also boost health um, um, information systems. So, so the Vanuatu government got have reliable quality data from patients around the Vanuatu in real time. Huh? 
Secondly, is um, um, you can even use the, the powerful ICD tools to help with the medical practitioners. Eh? Uh, I give, for example, doctors can now have access to real-time information to be able to perform the operations. But not only that, even with the video conference, mm. which is already available, is a proven technology in Vanuatu. You can actually remotely diagnose someone remotely. Yeah? Of course, it's not easy. It's challenging to implement that. The technology can do it, but obviously the human resources have to adapt to the technology in order to perform the operations. But I'm very optimistic that, that that's uh, one area that could help, help the... Uh, health service in the rural areas. Another thing is the, the drugs, the medicines, as you know, that's one of the biggest challenges. The, uh, the court given archipelago of Vanuatu, it's a paradise, but it has its own challenges. Mm. Eh? So to actually get the medicine here and to actually manage the inventory and uh, transport it to rural areas, it's always a nightmare. If we can connect these health centers, that means they have, have real-time access to the M supply, which is a um, a database that management manage the inventory and the distribution of uh, medicines. We hope that that's, that will help make the medicines available than how it is managed today. Yeah? Okay. So uh, I think there's a great opportunities there, especially utilizing ICD to improve those two sectors, among other sectors. Okay. Uh, uh, well, yeah. as you say, I'm sure there are mm. other applications across a number of sectors. Yeah. Now, you've made reference to the universal access policy, and I yeah. think my next question is possibly more around that, yeah. which is, what do you think, you've told us a lot, you've given us some really good information about what's already in place, yeah. but looking to the future, what do you think is still needed or is going to be needed, either in terms of policy settings yeah. or infrastructure or possibly both yeah. to really extend the benefits of ICT and I guess especially internet access yeah. to everyone in Vanuatu, especially yeah. those that are living beyond the main urban centres of Port Vila and Luganville. What, what do you see as still being needed for the future in order for that to happen? Yeah. In terms of uh, policy setting, uh, as I outlined initially, the institutional governance, uh, uh, the institutional governance. Uh, I think it's very important that the government, being the, the main policy maker, um, continue to upload and continue to support the governance structure as it is today. I think one thing that we're proud of, uh, and one success factor, if I have to look back to all the achievements we've done over the last few years, is the strong political will both from the government as well as even from the opposition eh, uh, to support the, the reform of the sector and continue to provide a lot of this, regardless of the ongoing changes of the government, both sides of the house continue to support the, the sector, the development of ICD and telecom sector. So I think from a policy perspective, it's important that the government maintains that, uh, and I, I strongly believe that it will continue to maintain that. Um, secondly, is that on the policy setting, is that the policies are not written in stones, so you know, within every two to three years, it is important that the, especially the Office of the Chief Information Officer and as well as the telecom regulator continue to listen to the stakeholders and, uh, and where need be, uh, consult and make amendment to the policy to reflect on, on uh, you know, to reflect on the challenges and especially the trend in technology and, and consumer demands. Eh? Well, I think uh, that's important, isn't it? Because as we know, it's a sector that changes very, very quickly. Absolutely. And I think, uh, and I also I think on the policy front, it's very important to 
to provide proper resourcing and support to the development of human resource capacity in both institutions, the Office of the Government CIO and as well as the telecom regulator, which I'm proud to say that we've actually achieved it and we need to maintain it there. Um, um, so that's on the policy front and I think it's important that the OGCIO continue to make a lot of awareness, provide information to the, all the relevant stakeholders, especially uh, our political leaders and as well as our directors and DGs within the government. Eh? Uh, so that's on the policy setting. On the infrastructure, especially if we're looking at promoting internet access and trying to achieve our ambitious goal of 98%, uh, let me, this is a very important point, let me state this, that um, ICT alone will not change, or will, uh, implementation of ICT alone will not help to change Vanuatu. Eh? You need also other supporting infrastructure, and I continue to emphasize this in all my meetings, in any, any public meetings. Huh? Infrastructure obviously is a key enabler, but you need other supporting infrastructure. ICT sits on, needs the power supply. We need, we need energy, so we need definitely a quality reliable power source in all the rural areas of Vanuatu. Huh? In, I can tell you, especially with the three major operators, the e-government network, TVR and digital, we still build our own power source in all those, some of the most remote places in Vanuatu. Huh? Secondly is obviously road. You need access to good roads to access all those uh, all those towers, telecom towers. Eh? You need good airports, you need good wharfs, you know, these are supporting infrastructure. But but not only in terms of infrastructure, you need al also other financial infrastructure, like you need the banks to promote, you know, the, 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 the you need uh, to provide citizens access to doing business eh? in all those areas. Uh, so, uh, you need postal services as well. Eh? So, all this supporting infrastructure, if they come, they need us as much as we need them as well. But I think if we can develop together collaboratively, then we will help to achieve our goals, mm. but also achieve the overall goal of the Vanuatu government in, in developing the whole of Vanuatu. Eh? So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of our main challenges, but uh, that's why in the National IC Development Committee, our members comprise of all the DGs and directors from the key line agencies. Eh? So obviously, uh, and, and we participate in all other stakeholder consultation and meeting in other sectors, and we try to always get the message across eh? that, uh, yes, they, would, they definitely need ICT and telecoms infrastructure to be able to, to, you know, to develop social services as well as other economic services, uh, but uh, likewise, we also need them in order to develop our own infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a tool, isn't it? But it's yeah. it's not a it's not a silver bullet. It's not the answer, as you said. It's not the solution to the problems. It's another yeah. tool that can be used. Yeah. What role, if any, do you see for donor assistance within that the, uh, that building of infrastructure, including financial infrastructure? Yeah, I um, I, I think. Um, First of all, let me acknowledge the, the support of the developing partners, aid donors, over the last few years. Eh? Uh, Australian government in particular, who have supported us a lot in the, all this reform. Eh? Um, so um, I, I think looking forward, I think definitely we still need uh, donor support to assist us. But I think it's very important that the government uh, takes the leading role it's very important that the government recognise the existing strong governance institutional governance structure and, and continue to provide the political will, continue the support uh, 
as it is today. Um, if we do that, that, that will allow development partners to actually assist us on the way. Um, my advice to the Vanuatu government would be, yes, we will need them, but at some stage we have to be sustainable. We have to be sitting on our own and not having to heavily rely on donors' support. The donors, for example, for the school connectivity project, thanks to the Australian government, they've actually chipped in quite a, a few hundreds of million to assist us to roll out the project. But that's only for 15 schools plus 10 telecenters and five schools for the tablet rollout. I have, I'm very optimistic that so it's actually a program and it's got an impact on the education systems in Vanuatu. But the government now needs to take that onwards. In what ways? Make sure that the Ministry of Education have a very clear ICT policy. Make sure they actually put the budget available through the government recurrent to support the rollout of other remaining schools as well as the ongoing uh, maintenance and operation of the old schools. And Office of the Government CIO is a very good example where we build a network, the government made the funding available, and now it's fully sustainable and it's sitting on its own. Huh? So uh, we, my message is, yes, we will continue to, to, to seek tone assistance, but the government must take a lead, and the government needs to maintain the strong institutional and governance structure. Uh, however, the Vanuatu government after today have to find ways to be sustainable and continue to be less reliant on the aid donor funding. Okay, yeah. good, thank you. Yeah. Now, you've made a we've made a couple of references to the role of the independent regulator, yeah. uh, which we know has been established here in Vanuatu. Yeah. How significant do you think the role of an independent regulator in this sector is for a country like Vanuatu? And are there any examples you can drawn that support your your thoughts about that? Yeah. I, um, first of all, I think as a chief information officer working for the government, heading the office of the government CIO as a key advisor to the prime minister and minister responsible, let me say that it's very, very important that we maintain the, the independent uh, status of the telecom regulator. That's very, very important. It's very important that we continue to uh, liaise with the, the regulator, uh, develop all our policies, high-level policies, but maintain the independent of the telecom regulator and provide all the political support and, uh, to the office of the regulator to be able to execute his uh, functions and responsibilities. Uh. I think when you have an independent telecom regulator, it gives the confidence to the, uh, the industry, especially the private sector, um, that you know, if they invest their money here, they will be able to play according to the rules of the game. Eh? Uh, and that's very important. Uh, no political influence, you know, whatever influence that may, uh, you know, that may not enable the regulator to play its function that could be seen as a threat to the foreign investors. So uh, I, for one, I fully support the independent, of a independent, the independent status of a regulator, and I'll continue to lobby any government of the day to maintain that. Uh, we just provide all the support. Anything we want to do, we have to make sure we prepare a policy, we consult all the stakeholders. If you want to change anything, make sure it's in, in a policy form, uh, but not you know day-to-day -day just go and demand that I want to do this, I want to do that, etc. Um, also, it's... It's very important that the industry respect the independent status of the regulator and the, it's very important to the industry that if they have any concern whatsoever, that the first point of call is to see the telecom regulator. He has all the power, he's got, they have all the expertise, 
even if they do not have the expertise, the government makes sure they have sufficient funding, either through government or through donor partners, to seek any world-class expertise around the world to assist them to deal with any 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 issues um, that, the, the, that the industry uh, put forward to them to look after. Um, for me, I'm very pleased with the state, the way the regulator is today. They have put in a lot of effort into the development of the local resources. They've built the capacity. Uh, I know it's still um, uh, a foreign um, person actually sitting on the role, but eventually I, I hope in not too distant future we will be able to have a local Newfoundland to telecom regulator. I think that's one of our goals. Eh? Uh, it's not easy. And the nature of the work and the responsibility of the regulator also is not is not easy. Mm. Um, so we need to emphasize a lot of training, if we, especially if we want to promote the uh, a local even order to take up the position. Eh? Um, yeah. Mm. Because somebody said to me a while ago, I was talking about the importance of mm. what I think is the importance of regulators. Mm. And this person said, oh, well, you didn't need a regulator. All you needed was for Digicel to come in and create competition and the price came down, mm-hmm. talking about mobile phones at that mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. Now, that's not something that I actually agree with. Cause, mm-hmm. And I think I'd be keen to get some more thinking from you mm-hmm. because my argument would be there's more to having a regulator mm-hmm. than simply bringing the price down. That may be mm-hmm. one result of what happened mm-hmm. when the market was liberalised and then regulated. Mm-hmm. But my feeling is that there are other things that regulation and regulators can contribute simply than making sure the price comes down. So yeah. is that what, what would be your thoughts on that? Yes. Um, uh, f- first of all, when there's competition, there has to be a referee. Uh, there's no question about that. You cannot, you cannot create a competition without the referee. Uh, in, in any competition, in any games. Eh? So it's very similar to the telecom industry. You need some, ref- you, you definitely re- need a referee. You can't just have them playing without anyone actually watching. Eh? Um, however, having said that, you have to be very careful on the approach of the referee or the regulator. Eh? Um, there's some countries in the world which are heavily regulated, and there's some countries in the world which are less regulated. Eh? I can tell you, um, put it this way, there's good competition, there's bad competition. There could be a good monopoly and a very bad monopoly. Likewise, there could be a good regulator and a bad regulator, or a good policymaker and a bad policymaker. So we want a good, poli- uh, a good regulator. Um, heavy regulation sometimes could create a necessary cost for the industry, and rather than promoting the interest of the development industry and as well as providing good service to the citizen, it might be the opposite. We don't want that to happen in Vanuatu. Eh? I think although the regulator is independent, I think although he's got the powers under the Telecom Act, um, the approach at the moment for Vanuatu regulator is a soft approach. Let, if there's an issue, let the industries, and we have a lot of examples. Eh? Uh, I know one of them was the interconnection negotiation of the interconnection rates. Uh, we let the industry actually you know, talk with each other and, each other and just inform regulator with, uh, of their decision and the regulator just look at it and if they think there's some issues, they, they sit back with both uh, the industry and, and, and discuss and find an amicable way forward. Uh, another one is in terms of December in cable pricing. There's no interference with the, from the regulator. They'll just let the market dictate. Eh? But I still you need someone. And I think the industry also needs to know that there's someone actually looking. Uh, you know, 
if you know if we're living in a perfect world and we trust each other and we do things in the interest you know to save the company but also in the interest of the sin maybe we might not need a regulator but you know I don't think that the, the type of environment will happen one day. We still need a regulator, but also we want to encourage industry to be matured mm. and, and to be talking to each other. And, you know, of course, they, they compete with each other, but they need to be mature. They need to be professional. I'm sure they have the right capacity. If there's an issue, they need to sit together, first of all, let the regulator alone, negotiate. And if they can read something that is very good for them and also very good for industry, Excellent. That's what we want. So there's less regulation. So I think so far, that's how the DRR is approaching the issues today in Vanuatu, and I'm pleased with the type of uh, with the type of approach. Yeah. Okay, that's great, Fred. Thank you very much for your time this morning and yep. for certainly enlightening me about what goes on in your office and the yep. ICT sector. As we know, it's a very vibrant sector here in Vanuatu so I'm sure yeah. if we were to get together in another 12 months time we'd have a lot more new things to talk about so thank you very much absolutely thank you this uh, for taking your time to interview me thank you you have been listening to a podcast from the development policy center for more information on our work visit our website at devpolicy.anu.edu.au to join the conversation on Australian aid, Papua New Guinea and the Pacific, and global development policy, visit our blog at devpolicy.org.